I appreciate the opportunity to stand before you this morning and to do such a, an important thing as open the Scriptures with you and have this time to study and, and gather our thoughts around God's Word and let God's Word lead us and let it direct us and guide us. That's His intent for having these things before us and to make us His people. So this morning, uh, as I see the crowd before me, I think it's the largest crowd perhaps that I maybe have, have spoken before. And I, I, I'm very humbled to be here before you to present God's Word to you. I told several others I'm nervous, so if I, if I drop something or... Uh, uh, turn the page in the wrong direction, please uh, bear with me and be patient with me as I lead and, and guide us in the study of things we're going to look at this morning. Um, again, uh, it's an honor to be before you and I want us to gather together our minds and consider the things God's Word talks to us this morning about our life here in general on this earth, about how it is that we live and how it is that we conduct ourselves. Our walk on this earth, I wanted to, to look at that in just a minute, but Sometimes some of the simplest things we take for granted, um, some people don't have the ability to walk, but most of us here are able to walk and are able to move about and use the two legs that God gave us to go to and fro on the earth. And sometimes it's so common to us in life that we forget about it, we neglect it, and it's something that we take for granted. Uh, certainly those who aren't able to walk and aren't able to go around and easily get out of bed or easily go and uh, get in the wheelchair or even have legs in, in themselves to be able to get out and go, that they can appreciate the fact of, of walking. They can appreciate the fact of having two legs, but not having them. So again, why am I bringing this up? Again, it, walking is something that we can take for granted. It is something that uh, certainly we all know about and we understand. It's, it's our simplest mode of transportation. And definitely the Word of God speaks about walking as far as using two feet. Abraham, in the book of Genesis chapter 13, verse 17 was told by God to walk in the land through its length and its width. As he, he's about to inherit it and about also to get the promises from God. He's told to go to and, and do that. So we can see and appreciate Yeah, God told Abraham to walk and use his two legs. Also Joshua chapter 18 verse 8, when he's going in and con uh, conquering the land and there are some tribes there that have not went in and taken fully uh, possessed the land, he would tell them there, why haven't you done this? You take three... Uh, of each one of the tribes, bring them to me and I'll send them. And he says there in chapter 18, verse 8, you go and you walk through the land, survey it, and come back to me. Again, just the general idea that yes, they were able to go and walk and enter the land. We could go on and look at other examples in the Old Testament there of how David, uh, when he was about to fight the battle with the Philistine, their Goliath, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, when he was about to go, Saul wanted to dress him up in weaponry and, and give him armament there in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And what does David say? I, I can't walk with these things. I haven't, I haven't tested them. So, so he knew in his mind, I, I can walk, but I'm not going to walk with these things. So again, the idea there, he, he was able to use his two legs, but, but they were going to be hindered if he did anything else. Solomon also, when he is before the kingdom and he's about to uh, go and serve God in that capacity as king, uh, he, he puts together some words there in Ecclesiastes I think we're all familiar of. And in that context of looking at things on the earth, he does notice creeping things. And he also notices, more importantly, man. But I'd like to draw your attention there in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 15, uh, that he saw all the living who walk under the sun, both man and beast. And they're both alike. They have the ability to go to and fro. And they have the, the God-given uh, ability, if you will, to walk with their own legs and go forward. I appreciate also Nebuchadnezzar when he had given himself the, the credit when he was walking and looking in his kingdom there in Daniel chapter 4, verse 29. He simply was doing that, walking about the royal palace of Babylon. So again, these things ought not to be 
something we don't know and something we don't understand. I think every one of us know. And, and like I pointed out with Scripture, that's something that, that happens with every man that is able to use his two legs and go about and walk around. Even Jesus, when He would heal people, at least on three occasions in Matthew chapter 9, when He told the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed and walk. Again, the man there sitting by the pool waiting to be healed there, when the Lord came to him, said, take up your bed and walk, there in John chapter 5, verse 8. And even further, when the disciples of John came to the Lord, and I'm not keeping up with my time here, but the disciples of the Lord there, Matthew chapter 11, verse 5, they came, are you the one that, that is the Christ, or do we seek another? The disciples there are told of John by the Lord, the blind they see, and the lame they walk. So again, they are able to do those things that they were not able to do before. And the Lord here acting so that others can walk and others can go to and fro. And I appreciate even the, the, the simple statement there in John chapter 7 that really goes along with what I'm talking about this morning, where the Lord actually, He Himself walked in Galilee, but He didn't walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill Him. He Himself, our Lord and Savior, the one that we're looking into this morning, His ways and His, his thoughts, His, his Word, he walked on this earth as well. So I guess we can all see based on what I've, I've brought before you, it's a common thing for mankind to be able to walk. There are certain creatures on this earth that do not walk. There are certain things on this, this earth that, that crawl or they, they, uh, they uh, go around on their belly and they can't walk as we do. God's blessed us with that ability. And I think sometimes it's so common to us, it's such a, a thing on this earth that, that, that it's just taken for granted but, but even more so, that, that's not the reason we're here on this earth to make use of our legs, so to speak. But there's another walk we need to be concerned about. There's another walk that we need to, to have in our minds before us at all times, and we need to see how we're doing it on this earth. It has to do with the conduct of the heart. I hope this morning to be able to present these things to you in so many scriptures. And again, the, the idea here of walking with God on the earth, that there is an abundance of scriptures that talk about this. And I myself, I don't know that I've ever heard specifically a lesson on walking with God. I know I've heard points about it in other discussions and in other studies and in other sermons. But again, this idea about walking with God, it's not something new and foreign to us. As a matter of fact, God's word is abundant and clear about walking with God. Keeping those ways before Him of God, the ways before you of God, keeping them before you uh, is the thought there. And Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, again, when it talks about blessed is the man, why is he blessed? He doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But what is his delight? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. The psalmist says there at the beginning of Psalms, and even going in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 15, many instructions will be given to, uh, by the one who wrote the Proverbs there to his son to walk in the way with him. The ways of the Lord there to refrain your foot from the path of evil. There's so much in God's Word that talks about this. This is the way. This is how you walk. And this is how you conduct yourselves as your life here on earth. So again, there's no lack of abundant things that we, need to, we can go into and, and understand this with. The idea there with walking with God. I think we first see the idea of walking with God is where Enoch was there in chapter, uh, it's discussed of Enoch there in chapter 5, verse 22 of Genesis, that he was a man that walked with God. And then a few verses over in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, Noah was a man that walked with God. Again, the distinction there as we looked earlier, that walking with our two feet is not the same thing as walking with God. Although our walk with God should affect our two feet. 
However, there's a difference. And again, the simple nature of using our two feet that comes so easy sometimes. And sometimes we don't look at our, our walk in life with God. But that's the whole matter. That's the whole thing. Again, when you get to the end of Ecclesiastes and you hear the, the whole conclusion of man, it's to, to fear God and keep His commandments. For this is man's all. So many people get swept up in the world. And so many people get tossed by the things that are in the world to where they don't know this or they don't continue on that path and they leave the Lord. They walk away. I want to look more about that this evening, uh, this morning at the end of our lesson about leaving the Lord and what, what impact that has on your life. But again, this idea of walking with God. Abraham in Genesis chapter 17. Turn there with me because I did want to notice a few things. And I don't want to draw out too much here and, and go too much. But it amazes me when Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees to inherit a land that God told him to go, to go to. He didn't know that land. He didn't see it before. He had known the land of Ur and was born and raised there and lived there, but God called him out of that land. Genesis chapter 17, begin there with me in verse 1. We see that Abram was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I'm Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Now the fact that he's 99 years old, Abram knows how to live at this point. He understands the idea about walking. He understands what it means to go out and go forth in the land. He has traveled from Ur of the Chaldees some several hundred, if not close to a thousand miles, to where he's now in Canaan. So he knows about walking. He knows a thing or two about using his legs. But the Lord says there, that's not the walk that I want you to do. He says there, I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Now, if this was a common walk, if this was something we're to do, just go about and live your life as you wish, but know that I'm with you. The thing that Abram did right after that would not have happened. What do you see Abram doing right after that there in verse 3? He fell on his face. He did not go and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to live life. I appreciate you. He fell on his face. He humbled himself. He recognized that in that walk with God, there's humility. That there's a, there's a, a, a note of, I am less than this. I'm not worthy of this. And you see Abram falling on his face. He didn't get up. He didn't walk. His confidence right then and there was shaken, if not removed. And from that point on, we see him walking in the Lord, and we see him, when God told him to do something, he did it. No questions. And it wasn't just as everybody else maybe in Ur lived, or maybe everybody else in the land of Canaan lived. He walked as God wanted him to. Again, the bread from heaven, we're studying in Exodus on the Wednesday evening classes here. And we just got through studying there in Exodus chapter 16 about the manna that God would give them from heaven. He gave it to them for a very specific reason. It wasn't just to feed them. Although they were hungry and they were complaining there and they wanted food, God said, I'm going to bless you, bread from heaven. In Exodus chapter 16 verse 4, He would say, I want to see that you walk in my ways or not. And you could go through and see how they dealt with that manna, the instructions that Moses gave them and the, the ways that they were to do it. Again, it wasn't just walking on the earth, but it was obedience to God and what God had said whether or not they would walk with God. So again there, the idea about walking with God, it's not just a simple step-by-step -step thing as far as using our legs, but it's a spiritual life. It's a spiritual devotion. It's giving your soul to God and walking that way, not walking as the world. We all know how the world walks. It is not just by their two feet, but there's wickedness. There's evil out there. We'll get a little bit more to that later. But again, that God may see whether or not they'll walk in His law. 
Also, there in uh, other parts, we can look at the conquest when Joshua was about to take the nation of Israel into the promised land. He would say there in Joshua chapter 22, verse 5, But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, to hold fast to Him and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Again, don't just go in and live in this land, but you walk in all His ways. You keep His commands. You hold fast to Him and serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Again, in Deuteronomy chapter 13, at the giving of the law of God there through Moses again, there in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 4, one of the things they would be instructed to do would be to walk after the Lord your God and fear Him, keep His commandments and obey His voice, and you shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. Much of the same thing that we just saw that Joshua told them in chapter 22, verse 5. And even later on in the exile, when it is Ezekiel is receiving those words from God and seeing the visions and noticing the things that God is sending to him, one of the things that is mentioned there in Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 17 through 21, is that they can return to the land. And not only that, they can walk in God's statutes and that they can keep judgments and do them. So again, that idea is not just using your feet to go back from your land of exile, but go back to the land and serve God, that you may walk before Him. Again, sometimes as people on this earth, even people of God that we claim to be, our walk with God is sometimes overlooked and that we live a life of commonness before our great and almighty Maker. Having those things in mind then, I wanted us to to take a look. There's so much in God's Word about walking with God. This is really where I wanted us to devote most of our time this morning from the book of Ephesians. And Paul is telling the Ephesians there, that letter that he wrote to them so many times, to walk with the Lord. And he tells them the reasons to do that. And I know that it would do good for us this morning to notice those things, to study them together, pay close attention to them, and see where we're lacking, and apply what is told to the Ephesians there. In the book of Ephesians, we'll see and note several things there. If you want to go ahead and turn, and I think the, the rest of my lesson will be devoted out of that. The book of Ephesians. We'll, we'll take our note there. We'll look at verse or chapter 1 in just a minute and three notable things that are mentioned out of chapter 1. But looking in chapter 2 and chapter 3, Paul's going to tell them, you were once of the world. You once acted like the world. You once did the things of the world, but you're no longer like that. You no longer walk like the world. He's not talking about the way that you, you limp or the way that you walk with a cane or the way that you use your two feet when you go from Rome to here or when you travel on the boat to go across. He's not talking about a physical walk. But he's telling them, you were once as the world. Don't get back involved in those things. You walk worthy of God. And Ephesians chapter 4 speaks about that worthiness that we're to walk with God. Don't just walk on this earth thinking, all right, I'm a good man, I can do right things. But you walk worthy of God. And what He's called you to do. Don't don't walk on your own ways, but walk in His ways. Let Him guide your steps. Ephesians chapter 5 also, we'll look at walking in love and the same idea, walk as children of light. And then also, there in Ephesians chapter 5, to walk circumspectly. A lot of times as Christians, I believe it is that we take for granted our life on this earth and that Jesus will forgive us. But Paul uh, tells those in Romans that no, don't live your time living that way. 
Shall we sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. So we'll look at those in just a moment. But the last thing I wanted to look in the Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians is not being unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. There's much there at the end of Ephesians that we need to look at in this idea about walking with God. So again, this idea here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, about they were once of the world. We as well were once of the world. We were once there too doing the things of the world. We were lost in our sins. And those of us who have obeyed the gospel, and we've come out of those things just as the Ephesians did. Look there with me in chapter 2 and 3. And notice there, he tells the Ephesians there from verses 1 through 11. And we could go and read through each one of those verses in chapter 2. But there in 11, he would say these things. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You've been brought near. You were once far off and God has brought you near through His Son Jesus Christ. And now you are made partakers of the promise. There in chapter 3 verse 6 also, Paul directs his, his life there to, he says in, in verse 1 of chapter 3, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you've heard the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, I came to you preaching the gospel so that you might be saved, so that you might be called away from the world, so that you might not be of the world anymore, but you might be of God and draw near to Him, as we saw in chapter 2. But notice there in verse 6 with me, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the Gospel. Again, that idea about the Gentiles now being able, they were still changed. As we just read in chapter 2, they were once in wickedness, they were once in darkness, but they'd been changed. So it wasn't just the fact that the Gentiles were able to hear, but they were able to do those things they heard. And that was going to be part of their change, that they were no longer going to walk like the world. But now they had ability to walk before God as His people, that the Gentiles could do that. Again there in verse 6, that they could be fellow heirs of those things, of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. And also there in verse uh, 8 of chapter 3, To me who am less than least of all the saints, the grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is fellow, the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. That, that we could walk for Him. Paul was sent to that purpose to preach this gospel, that no longer did they have to or, or should they walk as the world, but they've been called out. Gentiles also now being able to be partakers of those things, of the heavenly calling. So again, Paul say, says to them, you were once of the world. You were once like them. Take note, you Ephesians, that you are no longer like them. I find it amazing in Acts chapter 19, verse 2 or 3, that you can see there that as Paul went preaching into Ephesus, there was some trouble there. Uh, when he went, and also beforehand when he was in Corinth, the same thing, trouble there as well. But he was preaching the way. And, and I find that interesting that we're talking about walking with God. He went into Ephesus preaching the way. And unfortunately, there was commotion there and many there in Ephesus, Demetrius and those who also made a living by keeping up idols for the temple of Diana there in Ephesus. They made commotion about the way and they didn't want it to come in their midst because they knew and they saw that it was changing people and people were no longer walking 
in the ways of Diana, their goddess, or in other gods. But they were clinging to that one singular way that this man Paul came preaching. And it was changing people. And that's the effect of the gospel. That's what the gospel comes to do to people. It doesn't come just to make people feel good and say, yes, I believe in God, but it makes them walk like God wants them to walk. That's the effect of the gospel. So again, when you see the Ephesians here being told, you were once like that. You worshipped idols. You, you did things that were contrary to God's will, but now you are no longer there. Also, this idea about walking with God there in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, um, we see there Paul speaking about walk worthy of that then. If you've been called out that you're no longer of the world, you walk worthy of that. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, we can look there, and, and I wanted to draw back to chapter 1 at this time, that they were to live to the praise and the glory of God. He mentions that there in three parts in chapter 1. Now, now examine your lives, or maybe the others of lives who say they're Christians, but they don't do contrary to what God says. Are they living, are you living for the praise of His glory? That, that's the intent about this idea about this is the way. This is the path you walk on. And all the scriptures that point from God's Word to this, that's the goal that God wants us to do, that while we're here on this earth, we live for the praise of His glory, that our life has worth according to, to His will. And then continuing on there in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, he would tell the Ephesians there to walk worthy of the calling wherewith you were called. Walk worthy of that. No longer be like the Gentiles and serving the, the false worship and, and living in adultery and living in sin and evil, stealing and, and, and doing evil that, that should not be amongst those of God. You walk worthy of the calling. So again, we find that idea about walk. It's not just your feet that carry you. But it's your soul. It's your heart and how you handle life now that you are in Christ having salvation. Again, chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, that you no longer, and we've already spoken about this, that you no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. Look at their walk. Look at the things that they're doing. Their understanding is darkened. They don't know that they do, they do evil. They're so given to it. They walk that way. They can't see out of it, verse 18 says. And also, they're alienated from the life of God, the life that God would give through Jesus Christ and living on this earth, holy and acceptable to Him. They're alienated because of the way they're living. Also, verse 18, they're ignorant of that way. That's the way they walk. They don't know this way of God. They don't know how to serve Him. And they're blind in their heart. So that if anything comes, they don't want to. They're blind and they can't see. But you, Ephesians, he says there in chapter 5, verse 8, you were once in darkness. You are not so that way anymore. You walk worthy of the calling God called you in. Walk worthy of God. This idea also about walking, we can see in Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Paul tells the Ephesians there in Ephesians chapter 5 to, to walk in love. And he'll also there in chapter 5 uh, tell them to be children of light and to walk circumspectly. I want us to look at each one of these, each one of these attitudes about walking in God from Ephesians chapter 5. Because it doesn't stop there in, in Paul's encouragement to talk about walking in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2 again speaks about once they were in the world in Ephesians 4, walk worthy of that calling. But again, walk in love. There in chapter 5, be imitators of God. He would say there in chapter 5 verse 1. We could draw on this a parallel for many scriptures. But again, Jesus would say Himself, of those things that he would talk about in John chapter 14 and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And not only that, we can see in John chapter 14, verse 23, I really appreciate this passage in light of what we're talking about when he says the same thing, but he says, if you do that, 
God will meet you there. The Father will meet you and you will be with Him and I will be with you. So again, this idea about walking to God, He will be with you. He will not leave you. If you do these things, if, if just as Paul said to the Ephesians there in chapter 5, be imitators of God, that's where He wants us to be. He's worked for us to have salvation. He's worked for us to change so that we don't live like the world, but that we live for Him and that we walk worthy of Him. Also, 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, <clears throat> Whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in Him. So again, we talked about earlier, using our two feet, it's so common. Keeping His Word, is that something common? Is that something that a Christian does, that, that he keeps his Word and that he abides with those Christians? He abides with those who walk in his ways? Yes, it should be common. But again, we, we find our walk in this life more common sometimes than walking with God, and it shouldn't be so. But no, John urges that you walk in God's commands. You keep His Word. And if you do that, truly the love of God is perfected in you. This is what Paul wanted the Ephesians to know there. Be imitators of God and walk in love. <clears throat> he also says there in 1 John chapter 2, John does, that he who says he abides in Him also ought himself to walk. That, that, that you ought to abide in that love. That you ought to live as God has loved. Love your brethren, love God, and serve Him. Again, that walk is not something common, just as we do with our own two feet. It's something more. It's something meaningful, much more meaningful. And also in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, we see the idea there about Christ also has loved us. If we look there, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now again, we're talking about walking worthy of God and walking with God before us, how, how many of us do say that, that we offer ourselves to live for God? You know, Christ gave Himself up a spiritual sacrifice. Is that something that we constantly do, that we look to do that? If we're to be imitators of God, if we're to follow after Christ, that He did that, is that something we do as Christians as well? Is that something we say, yeah, I daily offer myself as a sacrifice? That's what's being spoken about here. Be imitators of God and consider Jesus. Consider that love that He had and walk in that. Not walking in that world that, uh, that love that God, uh, I'm sorry, not walking in the, the, lo the love that the world would say. There in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 through 7, you look at that. Don't walk this way, he says, in fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness. Let it not be even named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking. And we could go on with the list of things there that, that Paul says, don't do this. That's not walking in God. But again, we could ask the question, do I do those things? Do, do, do I commit fornication? Do, am I an unclean person? Uh, am I covetous? Do I, do I use coarse jesting and filthy language? Those things aren't fitting of one of God. They're not fitting to be in one who walks before God. So Paul's telling them, don't do that. That is not the way you walk before God. Again, that's the way the world does things. You don't be like that. So anyway, the idea there about walking in love can be tied to also uh, walk as children of light. The idea there in Ephesians chapter 5 that he said already, uh, and he says again in verse 8, that they were once in darkness. He says there, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. 
And there again, one of those phrases we could tack onto this, you find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. You don't take part in the works of darkness. That is not the way a child of God walks on this earth. Also, we mentioned the fruit of the Spirit there and what it causes for to goodness, righteousness, and truth. And finding out in verse 10 what is acceptable to the Lord. Having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather exposing them, the light makes manifest. In chapter 5, verse 13, it talks about that light and how it's made manifest. That But all things are exposed and made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. And then he says there in verse 14, because of this, because of the light, awake. The light has now shone in darkness to you so that you can be called to light. Awake you who sleep there in verse 14 of chapter 5. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. And again, that passage coming from Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 through 5, but again in Revelation chapter 21 where it speaks about a new city being established, those that are in that new city, those being of God, their light is God. And there is no need of the sun. There is no need of anything to show the way for God is the way. That's where I want to be. That's where I hope you want to be. And that's where Paul is indicating to these Ephesians, that's where you need to be. Walk as children of light. Also, Ephesians chapter 5 talks about walking circumspectly. And the idea here, I'll go through real briefly for the sake of time. The first part there of chapter 5, verse 15, the circumspectly there, ever, ever noticing that word, circum, it just sounds like a mathematical term. And it is, circle, that's where the root word comes from, or actually circum. But the Greek word that appears there is actually circumspectly. It means diligently. It means perfectly. So the idea there about walking circumspectly, it's something that's complete. It's everywhere. It's not just in one direction, but it's everywhere. Again, the idea root word circum means roundabout. To encompass or surround or to go around. And spec, speckly, means to look. So to look all around. When you walk, don't just walk as a common thing. I like what Clark said about this in his commentary. Our word circumspect from the Latin circumspicio signifies to look around about all hands. Sounds very nautical to me, but sailors on a ship are to do that. All hands. To be every way watchful, wary and cautious in order to avoid danger, to discern enemies before they come too nigh and secure a man's interest by every possible and lawful means. By every way. You look where you're going. You walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but wise. And we'll get into the rest of that in verse 15 in just a minute. But the idea there about looking at the present. We need to know what's going on around us. As the Lord would say, you seek the kingdom of the Lord now. Don't worry about other things. Too many times we find ourselves walking for those things in the world when we need to be focusing and walking toward the kingdom of God. That's where the Lord directs us. Also, looking unto Jesus there in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before Him was there on the cross despising the shame and then sat down at the right hand of God. That's where our Lord is. That idea about looking circumspectly, you don't already only see what's going on here, but you look ahead. You look at to where the Lord is. And finally, looking around you to the back, to the sides. Hence the idea of circumspectly. And, and a lot of people say you can't look back, you don't need to look back. I don't, I don't necessarily agree wholeheartedly with that. I don't think you need to dwell on the past that has happened and blame yourself and live in guilt for the rest of your life. If that were the case, we would see Paul doing that. But Paul says what? He tells in several instances, especially here in Acts chapter 24, I formerly persecuted Christians of whom I now am a part. Of the, the body of Christ, of the saints and the household of God, 
I was dragging them off to be in prison. And when they were to be stoned to death, I consented to their death. What a wicked thing. But Paul said, I don't live that way anymore. As a matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 3 there, he would say, whatever I was in the past, I count it all rubbish. Whatever I had, it's in the past. I know I was there and I don't want to go back. So again, the idea there about walking, looking circumspectly. Look at where you're going presently. Look at where you're going in the future. Don't forget where you came from. Don't, don't get those things away from you. Walk circumspectly. And I appreciate Zechariah chapter 10, verse 12, the idea that God wants His people to be like this. They shall walk up and down in His name. Again, the idea of walking with God according to the things that He set forward. This is how they walk, up and down, circumspectly. That's what Paul was telling the Ephesians there. Again, not as fools, but wise. There's a serious to that. When Asaph in the Psalm of Asaph there in 73, uh, Psalm 73, verse 2 would say, My feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. He was considering the ways of the world in the eyes of the world. He was, he was focusing in on how the world treats everybody and how they are treated. He says they don't have direct judgment. They die in peace. They, they accumulate wealth. My, my feet had almost slipped when I looked at that. But he realizes that was an unwise way. I shouldn't have been seeing that way. He says, when I went into the sanctuary of the, of the Lord, he focuses in on until I realize that there's peace with God. And He is who I should be dwelling in. He is, is who I should be walking with on this earth and looking. That is where I should have been. There's a seriousness as walking wise. Not walking like the rest of the world. Keeping your feet on the path and God's commandments. Walk in the steps that He tells us to walk. So that your steps will not be hindered. And run so that your feet may not stumble. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 12 tells us. And be sons of light and sons of the day. Paul's saying there in 1 Thessalonians, you are already that. Don't sleep. Don't become more to the world than to God. But you become more to the world uh, away from that actually. You become more to God than you are of the world. Don't be caught up in those things there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5. Again, the idea there about uh, figuring out your, your footsteps, where to walk and the path. Test those things. Believe those things. Hold fast to what is good. You walk in the ways that you find good according to His, his uh, Word, not according to the world, and be diligent in that effort. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 tells us. Finally here in chapter 5, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Not that this day we live in is just demonic and full of the power of Satan, but the things that are done in it. There's already so much evil done each day. You make sure your life doesn't do that. You no longer live to the, the will of the flesh, but to the will of God, 1 Peter chapter 4 would say. Again, let your conduct be worthy of whom you were called, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. That you walk worthy of God. That you have a value to your life for God. That you don't walk as the world. Truly, there's nothing in the world. The, the wages of sin or death, the work that, that is there, brings about nothing. But life unto God, there's worth. There's value. Walk in His ways. So we've looked at these things that, that the Ephesians were once in the world. They were once a part of, of those things that are in the world, but they were called out. That They needed to walk worthy of the calling that God had called them to. They needed to walk in love and continue in that just as God had. They also needed to walk as children of light as God had given them light to walk in and showed them the paths and showed them the ways. And not only that, they needed to look around as they walked. And be mindful and see where they're going and also where they came from. And they didn't need to be unwise, but they needed to understand. I want to leave you with a few more thoughts here. 
don't be unwise. You know, in every one of these, these uh, passages that we see here in Ephesians chapter 6, wives, you have a place. You have a, a, a place in the home there to love your husbands. There are also Hebrews, uh, husbands in chapter uh, 6, verse 25 through 33. Love your wives as Christ also loved the church. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right there in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. There in chapter 6, verse 4. Servants, serve your masters not as men pleasers with eye service, but to God. And masters, be good to your servants there. All these things, where do we not find ourselves in these lists? Where do each one of us sitting here today, when we hear this and we study these things, where do we not find ourselves? Each one of these points that, that Paul's pointing out here to the Ephesians, each one of us can find ourselves. Whether or not we're working, whether or not we're a master, we've all been children before. Some of us have been fathers. Some of us have been mothers. We're servants of God. So again, Paul's telling each one of us, whatever capacity you're in, don't be unwise, but you walk in, in the ways of the Lord in that capacity. You serve Him. As a soldier, he'd go on to say at the end of chapter 6, with all the armament there when he's talking about the breastplate of, of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, all those other things there, you take up the armament, not only be wise in your common life, but you realize your daily walk is a battle. It's a struggle, and you need to prepare for that. You need to be wise about that, being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might in verse 10, taking on the whole armor of God. And here's one that I thought very interesting, looking at that word, standing against the wiles of the devil, not against flesh and blood, having done all to stand. Does our enemy, Satan, the one who really walks this earth, does he walk circumspectly? I'd like to submit to you, he may not do it in the same way. But again, recall Job chapter 1, verse 70 and 7 and 8, when Satan appears before God and God asks him, where have you been? What does Satan say? I, I've been walking to and fro on all the earth. And not only that, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, what does that say there? Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If we're not to be unwise, there's good reason for that. And all these that I've laid before you are good reason. But don't forget, if you're slack, if you're unwise in your walk, if you stop walking in the Lord, your enemies, your spiritual enemy, they're not going to stop until you're destroyed. That's why we should be wise. Let us walk just as He walked. As 1 John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, continue in those things that God has said. He says, He who says He abides in him Himself also to walk just as He walked. Putting off the world, and we've already discussed how the Ephesians were told they did that. They put off those things of the world. But you continue to do that. Job chapter 23, I appreciate Job's attitude so much about this. He says, The way that I take, I have held fast to His steps. I have kept His way. I have not turned aside. He was confident that walking in the Lord was the only way. Not walking in the ways of the world, not being content and satisfied that, hey, I'm just, I'm just a guy here on this earth. I have two legs and I'm going to enjoy life. And again, Psalm 23 comes to mind when I hear and understand this, this idea about walking in the Lord. I think most of us, if not all of us, can quote this, this passage here. But in Psalm 23, where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says later, I will fear no evil, for you, God, are with me. He also says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And look at that last part there. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. Because I'm walking in the ways of God, there will be good things after me. And it's not because of me, but it's because of God. And because I walk in His ways. That's why I can face the shadow of the valley of death. 
That's why He leads me in His paths of righteousness. And goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days that I live on this earth. It's because I walk in the ways of God. This walk is short. Indeed, you may have many days. And the psalmist says in chapter 39, verse 5, it may be that you live long on this earth, but life's like a vapor. Again, in Psalm chapter 62, verse 9, surely men of low degree are a vapor. Men of, of high degree, they're a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they altogether are lighter than a vapor. Do you know the importance of that? While we're, we're here living on this earth, it doesn't matter if you're a man of power. If you've got thousands of acres, if you're a billionaire, if you're the president or, or a leader in the, in the, the, the office of, of whatever country you're in, you're the same as the lowly man. And what really matters is that we remember whether or not we're in Christ and we walk that way. The way is narrow and the way is short, the Lord would say. He'd say, broad is the way for destruction and many there are who find it. And difficult and narrow is the way to life. There in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. But he even says, I'm that way. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but me. There in John 14 and 6. <clears throat> Will we walk on a walk that leads to God? I've asked the question several ways in this lesson this morning. Many walk, Paul had said at his time, to the Philippians as enemies of the cross of Christ. Are we doing that with our lives? Or are we walking for God? Those in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, they knew God. that They knew about Him, but it says there, they did not glorify God, nor were thankful. That they had the knowledge of God. Is it that some of us know God? We know what He commands. We know what He desires for us to walk in His ways, but, but are we? Or are we going to be like the Romans there who were given over to a debased mind? If you don't walk in the ways of God, you're going to be found walking in the ways of the world. And also, the idea here about Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Don't let your feet go down this path. You need to give the more earnest heed to the things that you've heard. Walk in His ways, lest you let them slip. And finally, this idea here about Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. Of how much more worse punishment do you suppose will He be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? What imagery do you get? when you hear that verse about trampling the Son of God underfoot. I, I hear the words walking all over God. How, how dare one of us say that we do that, but yet in our lives we say we, we live for God, but we don't serve Him. That, that's the effect that we have for the Gospel and for God. We're, we're basically walking all over Him saying we're, we, we don't want it. We'd rather walk in the world. Let that not be the case for us there in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29, but don't let that be you. You walk for God. You walk for Him. And you do those things that God has showed us are His way. Where are you walking? Are you walking in the Lord? I encourage you to continue if you are. Be an encouragement to those around you, but you continue for your soul's sake to walk in the Lord. If you started walking but have strayed, pick that way back up. Serve Him diligently. Come back to Him. And if you're not walking in the Lord, if you're not obeying His commands, why not? Start that walk this morning. I give you the opportunity. We, we would love to have you come forward if you need as we stand and sing.